Hello, I'm Faith Rogers, host of today's program, COVID-19, Keeping Up with a Moving Target. Thank you for joining us. This activity is jointly provided by the Postgraduate Institute for Medicine, DKB Med, and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Today's program is accredited for ANCC and AAPA credit, as well as AMA PRA Category 1 credits. Please visit our website for complete CE information. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the red Claim Credit button in the webinar console to attest for credit. Otherwise, please visit covid19.dkbmed.com. Today's learning objectives are to discuss U.S. authorized vaccine effectiveness against the Delta variant and describe a plan for vaccine boosters in the United Kingdom. This educational activity is supported by independent medical educational grants from Gilead Sciences Incorporated, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, and Eli Lilly and Company, as well as in-kind support by DKB Med LLC. All activity content and materials have been developed solely by the activity directors, planning committee members, and faculty presenters. With us today, we have Dr. Paul Awater, Clinical Director of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Dr. Allwater, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Faith. The Delta variants on many minds, and certainly news articles have been talking about that since the emergence from India. But uh, this uh, Gallup poll at uh, the end of June uh, highlights, I think, some of the issues as we head through this summer and into the fall respiratory season, acknowledging still that only about uh, less than half of the United States eligible population is fully immunized. So this Gallup poll uh, said that, you know, uh, uh, nearly a third of adults said the pandemic's over, there's no worries and so on. And of course, um, this has been a message that uh, many have uh, mentioned, uh, <clears throat> both uh, politicians and others, but it, it's honestly, of course, not true. And indeed, uh, even in the United Kingdom, uh, where uh, Freedom Day has recently uh, been announced, uh, but yet having some of the highest rates of uh, new COVID-19 uh, infections uh, is uh, uh, definitely a mixed of messages. So the WHO uh, and most public health officials are uh, quite concerned, um, not only, uh, of course, uh, with some of the recent hotspots in North America, also in Europe, but uh, more concerning is globally, uh, where there's still a large number of cases uh, with Indonesia now and perhaps Africa uh, being of greatest concern. Within the United States, and this is probably no surprise, a number of modelers that have looked at recent infections have uh, made two points. The first that I think no one would think is uh, unusual is that states with low immunization rates had larger number of infections. But then the second is that most of these infections are occurring in clusters. That is, uh, people that uh, are going to family events, for example, communal events, and so on. Uh, this is, how, of course, how this coronavirus has spread. Some people are asymptomatic and don't know they have it. Uh, aren't being tested as much and so on and so forth. So uh, this kind of clustering uh, is uh, what we've seen, of course, earlier in the pandemic, 
we knew that household transmission was one of the main ways that this was spread. But now, uh, since people are moving out of the household more into the community and into group and crowded settings, uh, we're seeing uh, a bit uh, that of um, super spreader events, which of course we talked uh, a fair amount uh, about in the spring of 2020 before we uh, really took social mitigation to heart. So the Delta variant, at least this week, uh, the CDC has said uh, accounts for over 80% of infections. So this is clearly now the predominant virus. It has some increased transmissibility over the Alpha variant, which sort of came on the scene last winter. Uh, it's not clearly more virulent, which is good. And of course, uh, more younger people are being infected since that's the population that is less immunized. Uh, and the chart on the left just gives you a sense for how fast in the deeper orange color the Delta virus has come on the scene. And this is dated just through early July, uh, but the CDC has recently said it's even more so now. So this is now the predominant virus. And it's just amazing to me how fast uh, this virus establishes itself, which is of course uh, speaks to its uh, enhanced transmissibility. Now, uh, Israel, which has partnered with Pfizer, uh, has continued to produce some information about uh, mostly uh, the impact of immunizations. Uh, the Delta virus has been the predominant virus in Israel. And uh, their update uh, earlier this month from July showed reduced overall efficacy, meaning uh, compared to uh, earlier uh, variants such as Alpha, uh, that uh, the mRNA vaccine uh, yielded approximately 94% efficacy. It's, it's less, although this is not done quite as rigorously, uh, this study. But importantly, um, the num percent of people that might be hospitalized uh, uh, fell slightly compared to the earlier study, still with well over 90%. So uh, I think this is something that's important. Uh, Israel has already decided uh, to immunize certain populations, people that um, may not respond well to the vaccine with a third booster dose. So we'll probably have some information in uh, the population that's gotten a third dose to see if it has uh, yielded any additional benefit. But again, this is a population that may not respond as well. So uh, we have to be cautious with those uh, interpretations moving ahead. Now, you saw that 60% range uh, effectiveness, which again is real world data. There's some concern in Israel that more asymptomatic uh, people are being tested. Here's some uh, data from other countries uh, where Britain looks like it's at 88%, Scotland 77, Canada 83. So you can see there's a bit of a range in the United States. Uh, there's just some a general data that many people uh, are commenting that 95% of people that are hospitalized are unimmunized and 99% of deaths are happening in the unimmunized. So if there's any um, major message that might help convince people on the fence about the vaccine, those latter two numbers hopefully uh, uh, may uh, make some sense and logic for proceeding with the vaccine. Now, booster doses are one of the most frequent questions that I um, have uh, been fielded. And 
again, <clears throat> you know, that Israeli uh, experience is such that they're already giving a booster dose to a certain population, which we know may not respond as well to the vaccine. But at least in the United States, uh, what we know is it's important that people get both doses of the message RNA vaccine. Uh, because one dose appears to have uh, minimal efficiency uh, and protection against the Delta variant. So that's key. The, the Janssen, Johnson & Johnson vaccine seems to be sufficient with one dose. And as of early July, there's no recommendation for boosters. Um, and again, this is being looked at, but it uh, appears that for most people, these message RNA vaccines and even the uh, adenovirus Janssen vaccine appears to protect from severe illness. So uh, no need yet for boosters for most uh, people. Uh, I will mention that the national health uh, in the UK does plan booster doses um, starting in September under their so-called phase three program. And uh, the uh, three groups that are being targeted there are people over 70, uh, people with immunodeficiencies, and also, interestingly, frontline health workers. I think it's uh, of interest, of course, that uh, AstraZeneca has been used there and not in North America, where most people have been getting one of the message RNA vaccines. Uh, of course, we'll be looking closely uh, to see if this has some impact in those uh, populations getting a third booster dose. Uh, a few messages about uh, uh, COVID-19 treatments. We really don't have oral therapy. We don't have inosiltamivir, uh, also known as Tamiflu, uh, for influenza. We don't have such a similar project, uh, a product for the coronavirus. Uh, probably the oral drug in the, uh, in the lead, though, is this molnipiravir. Uh, this is a twice-daily drug that was originally developed for hepatitis C, but does have activity against the coronavirus. This is an interesting uh, study from India, uh, where Merck has licensed the drug to generic drug companies. And this was a phase three trial looking at twice-daily uh, molnipiravir versus what's called standard of care. And this is just a press release. We don't have much data on a little over 700 patients and it's open label. Uh, there's a sense, especially in the early phases, uh, that um, uh, there was uh, clinical improvement in people on that. You can see the median time to improvement was eight versus 12 days. There were uh, fewer hospitalizations, uh, but the group uh, didn't have um, uh, 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 mortality. Of course, the numbers were small here for a mortality study. The drugs were generally well tolerated, and um, uh, this company is petitioning for use, um, emergency use in India. Uh, but this is some uh, interesting data that we'll look forward to more solid reporting um, on this to interpret uh, uh, how this uh, really looks, because of course, standard of care is interesting, and uh, dexamethasone was widely used. Uh, in India, which is not something we recommend for people that are outpatients and in early phases of illness. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of medications people took in the uh, non-molnipiravir arm. Lastly, speaking of steroids, uh, this was an interesting uh, retrospective study from Europe 
um, that was a secondary analysis um, in what they call the very elderly uh, over age of 70. Um, but these, uh, this is severe COVID, the people that landed in the ICU and 30-day mortality. And they uh, did a, a fairly careful matched control of people that got steroids versus no steroids. Uh, the mean age was 75, but there was no uh, difference in SOFA score. Uh, and uh, they did some multivariate analysis. What they found is on univariate analysis in this older group, people uh, who didn't get steroids did better. Uh, and this held up on a multiple logistic uh, regression analysis. Uh, interestingly, if you look at the uh, recovery trial, the one that established dexamethasone as standard of care, uh, in the smaller group there that was over 70, there was no impact on sub-analysis, also true in another uh, study, the Kodak study. Uh, so uh, a bit of a hesitation here. I, I think we always like to treat everyone uh, similarly uh, with medications, but there's probably some range. I think this does beg the question of whether one size fits all. Um, obviously, this needs to be explored uh, uh, in the future uh, as well in this population. And um, I think this, uh, uh, again, is just more of an FYI. I'm not sure it would change people's practices now, but just uh, something that uh, may bear some watching. So uh, very much want to thank you uh, for joining this week. And uh, there are also additional resources as well as uh, mechanisms to get your uh, CME or other continuing medication uh, education credit. And very much thank you for tuning in this week. And uh, uh, please return for additional updates on COVID-19 and the pandemic. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the red Claim Credit button in the webinar console to attest for credit. Otherwise, please visit covid19.dkbmed.com. Any questions or issues, feel free to email us at the address listed. To submit questions, please send them to qa at dkbmed.com. That's Q as in question, A as in answer, at dkbmed.com. Again, thanks for joining us and thank you for your dedication to your patients with COVID-19.